0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Her Law Collective. Jacqueline Foster here, and today I'm super excited to be welcoming my very first six-figure business owner guest, Carol Mix, better known as Coach Carol Mix. She is a life and business strategist, and today she's going to discuss the five pitfalls to avoid while scaling to six figures. So Carol, welcome to Her Law Collective. I'm so thankful to have you here today.
1: I am super excited to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So to get started, why don't you just give our listeners a background on you and how you came about? I know you had a brick and mortar business prior to launching online. And so I'm really excited to hear all about that, your life and your experience and journey to this business. Sure.
1: Um, oh my, where to begin, right? <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time. So 25 years as an entrepreneur. And it's so funny, as each year goes by, I'm like, oh, another year, but 25 years as an entrepreneur. And I've owned various businesses um, throughout that 25 years. And I primarily stepped into entrepreneurship because I wanted to be home with my kids. And I still wanted to stay active. So each business allowed me to do just that. And interestingly, over you know the 25-year span of doing this, it led me to exactly where I am now. And I didn't see it that way. It wasn't planned that way. I just kind of went with the flow and what worked in my life for the children, you know, at their ages at that time. Uh, I have three children. And, you know, so I was moving in between everything that they were doing and creating the businesses that worked for me and what was going on in my life at that time. So um, that's pretty much how I started in and landed to where I am now. And I have learned so much through each business. So it really allows me um, to see into many other businesses as I'm helping them with their strategy just because of the various experiences that I've had.
0: Yeah. I mean, 25 years as an entrepreneur, I can imagine you've seen it all. <laughs> I'm only all about of three it. <laughs> years in, and I feel like I could write a book on the whole world of entrepreneurship and all the things that come up. So I can imagine yeah. that you, you've had a lot of experience, which is really cool. Honestly, I mean, well, for full transparency, I I love coaches and strategists and things, but there's so many people out there that offer these services, but they've never actually built a business and they never actually failed at building, building a business or succeeding at building a business. So it is invaluable to find somebody that has gone through the stages and can be, not only your coach, not only your guide, but you're sounding, you know, somebody that you can talk to when things come up. <laughs> Is this normal? Is it normal that I'm losing clients during the holiday season? Is it normal this client, you know, went AWOL on me? So that's really, really awesome. So what kind of businesses over, I'm just curious over 25 years, did you have like what variety?
1: Yeah. Well, I started in real estate with um, being a landlord and flipping properties. So we did that for a little while. And then I owned an in-home daycare. So I had five children under the age of five with me for (laughs) five years. I don't even know, like, girl, I don't even know how (laughs) I wasn't even forming sentences at that point. I was just rhyming (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Then I was a Mary Kay person. So I went into um, that side of business and that was by. Far, one of the best free business trainings ever is learning how to build that kind of business and in that way. Um, And then I owned my first brick and mortar, and I owned that for 15 years, and that was a laundromat. And that went through a $13 million renovation for two and a half years in the plaza where I was located. So They tore that plaza down and built it up at the same time. And it also took the 20 year business that I purchased and cut it to less than half in its income. And then they closed me for nine weeks because they needed to knock that building down and my building wasn't ready yet. So take a very um, regular business where it's habitual customers that come in and close it for nine weeks You basically flush that business down the drain. And then in nine weeks, they handed me the keys in February with plywood on where the plate glass windows belong because the glass didn't come in. And they said, open, go, you're at it. So I had to rebuild my business from there. So that was life changing in so many ways. Um, and then I stepped into the coaching space, um, and into the online space. I ultimately, it took me five years to build it back up and then I sold it and then stepped into coaching full-time and that's where I'm at now.
0: You know, and that's, that's incredible. I can imagine having to shut your doors down after people are used to coming in there. You're forcing them to go find something else that'll suit their lifestyle as well, or be like, oh, I like this one better for whatever reason, or now we've just gotten the hang of it. Um, so yeah, I can imagine that that, that was pretty impactful for your, for your business. It's funny. actually, I always wanted to start a laundry mat, but now,
1: huh. um, <laughs> <laughs> <It was laughs> tiny. yeah.
0: So, so now you're in this life and business strategist, which I think is amazing. I mean, you've done it all. You flip properties. You've been in home daycare. Bless you. Again, I got, I have so much respect for my son's daycare woman. She is like the patience of a saint. I'm like, can you just have like half of that? Um, you know, the Mary Kay, I think that's really interesting. And I'd like to talk a little bit more with you about that. Cause I think that is a very lucrative business opportunity for a lot of women just starting out um, to the laundromat and now your online space. So How is the online coaching going for you? You know, what, where, where are you at with your business? What kind of clients do you attract? And tell me a little bit about it. Um, It is
1: phenomenal. I am in two places at once and I'll kind of roll back a little bit. I stepped in working with women entrepreneurs and I chose to kind of do a hybrid option of what I do in my coaching, because what I was finding is I was paying for business coaches and spending all the money there. And then, Amplifying my business, but then my life was on fire over here. My own personal self, I wasn't taking care of myself. So there was a fire there, put that out. As soon as I would handle that, then my marriage would be burning down. I'd go over there and fix that. So I felt like I was just putting out fires everywhere I was going. And I was like, hold up, something's got to give. And I noticed in talking to other women entrepreneurs primarily, the same experience was happening. So how do we find that balance in everything that we do? And every human is looking for balance, but it's what about our balance is what it's about. So blending the life and the business was important for me because I was finding, I was spending all this money trying to find the support, but never getting exactly what I needed in order to be the best entrepreneur that I could be, to be happy while I was doing it. So I shifted that. So working with women entrepreneurs now is primarily what I'm doing, and they're looking for exactly that. They're lacking clarity, they're lacking systems and processes in their business, and they're lacking that connection to what it is that they do and what they love. So I've stepped into that space doing that. Um, In addition to that, I'm also working with the marketing mentors at this and coaching people in the revenue rev up game. So really helping them to amplify their business and four times what they made in one year in 12 weeks. So it's a revenue rev up game, super Mm -hmm. exciting. And that's how I shifted my entire business was going through this process. And I, I hung out there and loved it so much that I came on back and now I'm coaching there. So It's exciting because it allows me to be there and help people with their sales and their marketing and how to expand their business and grow within their business. But I also am still have a small private practice where I am working with people, helping them with their processes and how to get clear on what they want and more diving into that life aspect of things where revenue rev up is more the sales and marketing aspect of really accelerating your business.
0: Well, I think it's beautiful that you're harmonizing it. Cause I mean, the theme of this podcast around her law collective, that only 12% of women own businesses will reach six figures. And I have a little bit of a thought as to why that is. And I think every woman listening here will agree is that we do so much not to cut down men at, in any way, but men are very good at one thing at a time, go to work, come home, do the home life, go to work, come home, do the home life women can't do that <laughs> we are the nurturers we are the grocery shoppers we are the appointment schedulers we are the you know laundry everything all the things and whether or not you have a partner that's helpful women are just naturally trying to be the best at all the things all the time for all the people all the time and so i went through something very similar in my business when i started of you know seeing great revenues but watching other things fall apart watching my kids outside playing while i'm stuck down here in my office trying to stay ahead of all the things and not having as much time with my husband and and we as women really really care about that balance and i think that that deters a lot of women away from from launching their businesses because they say, well, I'll wait till my kids are a little bit older. I'll wait till my kids are at this stage. I don't want to miss out on this. I don't want to miss out on that. Or they, they, they maybe be launched, but they're just very conservative. They play very conservative until they feel they can run and fly with it. <clears throat> Hopefully their business lasts that long. And in that process, you know, they're losing a lot of traction that they could have been gaining. And I think it's a beautiful idea and, and reality. I mean, you've done it. I did it to build a business that fits around your lifestyle. And that doesn't mean you can only make, you know, a thousand bucks a month doing some side affiliate links. You can really scale a million, six figures, a million beyond while still maintaining that sense of harmony in your whole life. So I think that's, that's so important. I don't think that any women out woman out there should just specifically focus on business strategy you also need to focus on that mindset work, that lifestyle balance and and all the things. So I think that's amazing. Um, So wonderful that you're doing that. Um, So let's merge and and get into the topic of today, which is the five pitfalls to avoid while scaling your business. So um, are a lot of your clients that are coming to you at the early stages in their business, or are they kind of at the, we've been in business for a year and I feel like my head's going to explode, get me back on track or where, where are your clients at typically?
1: Both actually. So I'm finding that again, in the beginning, where do I start? And they have started and it's completely overwhelming. And how do I organize all of this? And what am I doing? Like, what are the next steps? Um, all the way to, I've been in business for a couple of years and I, I need to go to the next level. I'm ready for my up level. What does that look like? You know, so primarily helping them three, three spots with the clarity with the systems and processes in order to do that and then also that accountability piece because as adults um, we we want the accountability but we don't <laughs> so you know so having that piece there having that person there and having that relationship but also that neutral set of eyes on your business looking for the the things the blind spots that you can't see because you're too close to it you're in the thick of it so that's um, that's pretty much who I'm serving and how I serve them.
0: That's amazing. So the blind spots, is that probably going towards the pitfalls of, of things to avoid those blind spots. You're not saying, I am so excited about this. Cause I bet I'm going to see some in my business when you start saying them. So. Yeah. so first, All right. So the first biggest um, pitfall
1: that I see is they're not making themselves a priority physically or emotionally. So um, I believe, I truly believe that you, your self-care must be part of your business plan. You have to look at that piece. And so often we get excited about what we're in business about, right? We're out there doing the thing and we're delivering and giving, 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 but we're not taking the time to take care of ourselves. And it comes down to you know, even scheduling this time, you know, when I first was accelerating my business and blowing it up, I didn't even schedule in lunch. (laughs) I forgot to feed myself, you know, which is, it sounds ridiculous, right? But you're working through the day, you look up and you're like, oh man, it's two o'clock. And then, you're just your whole body is off, right? Right. So it's these things of creating those gaps for yourself. So that's the first one. And mentally um, giving yourself that downtime. Again, our brains are revving and we're constantly thinking, and on the go. Um, So giving your brain the rest that your body needs as well. And so a lot of people come to me because they're struggling with focus. I can't focus or, you know, my ADD or all of these things. And it's because we've conditioned ourselves because we have to take care of all of the things for various reasons, but it's not giving our brains the rest that it needs so that we can focus on the things that are important to us. So That's a key point. Um, The second one is lack of clarity. If we're not crystal clear on what it is that we want or what it is that we're doing or what it is that we're offering. So in all those, so on the personal side of things, I always go, I'm split between life and business in your life. If you're not clear on what it is that you want and need for you, not everybody else, but you, this will have you doing things and being in all the places that you don't need to be. Um, and if you are not crystal clear on what it is that you're offering and how you're offering it and how it's packaged, how your messaging is, if you don't have clarity in all of that, you'll just keep putting it out there and feeling like you're spinning your wheels. So clarity is a really, really big thing to look for and make sure that you're very intentional about it. Um, The third one is lack of systems and processes. I've talked about that a couple of times, Um, but systems and processes really, really help us to remain consistent. And that's a big thing that we struggle with is that consistency. So in your life, in your habits, in your rituals, you know, what do you have set up that are systems for you so that you can go and do it? As opposed to being scattered everywhere and in your business as well. You know, even looking at onboarding processes, what happens in the process of while you're serving that client, all the way to an offboarding process. Those are some examples of processes that you can have um, that really help you as you're accelerating, own your own time and space and not feel scattered and all over the place. Um, Fourth one is you are in the sales and marketing business first and the delivery business second. And we forget about that. Again, we get into I got into coaching for a passion of helping people. I really want to help people avoid the hell that I've gone through. And I was all worried about that and not thinking about my sales and marketing aspect of what was going on. In my business. And then I was wondering, why can I never, you know, hit my monthly goal that I want? Or why am I always behind? And it was like, oh man, so when I adjusted my thinking to, I'm in sales and marketing first, and what does that look like? And setting that up and falling in love with the problem that I solve, and who I solve it for, that changed everything for me as well. As opposed to going, oh, I'm in sales. I'm just I I hate the sales. I hear so many women say, I hate the sales. I don't want to be like salesy. I don't want to be that salesy weirdo. And when you fall in love with the problem that you solve and how and who you solve it for, everything changes. And then
0: lastly, I like that one. I want to stop on that. I just (laughs) I write that down. Falling in love with the problem I solve. So I'm reading a book right now called Smart smart story, smart Ooh. brand. Um, it, it actually fell into my lap because I was sitting down to actually read a, a Gabby Bernstein, like personal development book at home or at nighttime. I try to like check out that way. And it came into my library on my Kindle as like a free read. And I started reading it and it's a perfect time while I'm going through a rebrand in my business. And the whole thing of this book is Creating a story around your brand where you're not the hero, you're the guide, and that your clients are the hero of their story, and you're going to be the guide on that story. And it was just such an amazing perspective shift for me. You know, we talk about you have to show yourself as an authority, as an expert in your industry, which of course, but nobody has room in their lives for any more heroes. They're the hero of their life, they're the ones that want to reach their potentials, and you're here to solve that problem for them and, and guide them towards those, that, that end game, you know, he, it's a wonderful book. I'll actually link it up in the show notes. Cause it is, it's, I'm, I'm addicted to this book and he has like an online platform to kind of like go in and create your own story around your brand in a very concise way. But I just think that's really interesting is Tate, like when you said, I hate being salesy. I hate doing all that. The reason why is because people have imposter syndrome and they feel that they're going to get embarrassed when they put their stuff out there in a salesy way. I've been there, totally been there. That's why I didn't start my business for three years. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to call me a fraud or they're going to say, what are you talking about? Or laugh at me behind my back. And finally, I'm just like, sales and marketing isn't about that. It's about showing how you're the guide to the people that you're trying to reach. And it's, I I love that. So I wanted to just pause there (laughs) for a minute and and talk about that, that sales and marketing is, is really falling in love with your the problem that you solve for your ideal clients. And I think that's, that's so perfect. So <laughs> thank
1: it's, you. It's I've an incredible that. shift. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, was it Donald Miller? Yes. That story branding. Yes. yes. Um, I actually attended that workshop in Tennessee. It is, I've met him. He is amazing. The whole team is amazing. Um, it The whole, the whole process, but for myself, helping people connect to their own story And how that relates to the problem that they're solving and their client. So often you'll see people, you know, with their attempt and it's an earnest, honest attempt to try and connect, but they're sharing pieces of their story that are absolutely irrelevant to what that client's, you know, to, in order to attract that client. So to really clarify, and you love the, your own history, your own pieces of that brand story that you're bringing forward, that Makes sense and it feels really good to share that vulnerable piece of yourself because that's another piece of online sales is you know, people you've got to be vulnerable and there's some things that people are putting out there. I'm like, girl, why are you putting
0: that out there? You don't have to, like, I don't have to talk about the fight my husband and I had last (laughs) week, you know, like that has nothing to do with my industry. (laughs) So no, you're totally right. You don't have to expose your whole self. And what I love how this dot he puts it in story brand is that you should not make your audience have to burn calories to try to understand what you do and what your point is. They should not have to burn calories and when they start to feel like they're burning calories in their brain to figure out what you do, you know, I see these posts on Facebook where it's like um I don't what are you getting at? Like I just keep scrolling because we I, and I, we don't have the time to if I'm going to burn calories, I'm going to do it on my Peloton, you know. <laughs>
1: So yeah, definitely. So good, so good. I love this. We could probably talk all day just about that. And it's so great to see other people that are exposed to this same idea because it really you it it allows the ideas to just kind of pop like popcorn. So all right, so last piece, last piece of advice is lack of tracking. Um, the numbers of your business is the language of your business and a lot of women tend to avoid that part it's uncomfortable there's you know past trauma issues or things that we haven't resolved or healed and when we start to look at and track things in our business but also in our life right if you're looking at your own personal habits and you start tracking things and setting goals i call them micro goals because sometimes setting really big goals overwhelms people and shuts them down when you start measuring in creating metrics for what it is that you're doing in your life and in your business, you can start to see where that feedback is that you need. Is this working? Is it not? And there's not so many stop, go, stop, go. And that's where the inconsistencies come in for us because we don't have that clarity. So go back to, you know, number two with the clarity. So the tracking is essential. And especially as you are leveraging up in your business, um, it, it has been mind changing, and I avoided it, all of it, I and it's where the accountability is, you know, I learned this in the Rev Up game, there was such massive accountability and tracking in there, and it was like, whoa, once I saw what I was tracking, and then saw its impact, I got to have more control, and in our minds, business can feel out of control, and I'm a high certainty person, <laughs> want anything out of control. I'm trying to control the universe, right? But in the areas where I can be controlling what my actions are, that's empowering. So that's what I'm looking to do. So when I set people up with that tracking, it's for a reason. It's not because you're answering to me. It's to really anchor within them. Hey, this is how you develop self-accountability where you can create a business or a project or a goal that you're really proud of because you
0: accomplished it, you did the work. So those are my five. Yeah. Let's go backwards and digest some because I just is like thinking, Of things. we really should, you know, for clarity purposes of this episode, just talk about each one a little bit and maybe you can, you know, I'm not trying to solicit free coaching, but I think it'd be kind of fun for, for me to, to tell you where I'm at in my business on these five pitfalls and just a little bit of feedback on that. And so self-care must, must be part of this business plan. Um, I totally resonate with that. Be As a parent, former paralegal myself, I remember I would sit at the office until midnight trying to solve a research question, trying to write a motion, try to argue an emotion, whatever that was. And it would get to the point that my brain would be so foggy. I would almost be in tears because really in that point, my mind and my brain was telling me enough, you need to stop, go get some rest, eat some food, come back in the morning. Right. And I think, and tell me how you feel about this. I think that when we're building businesses We feel like we need to solve it right now. Like I cannot go to bed until I have that name picked out. I cannot go to bed until I have that um, course outline done. And we get, we get so (laughs) hyper-focused in a way that's counterproductive. Anything to add on that?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Um, without going
1: diving deep, it's a matter of adjusting expectations and boundaries and knowing these expectations of self. um, And we will push ourselves till the end. So really being aware that, wow, this is an expectation that I've got to have 58 things done in two hours. And I've already kind of been distracted for the five hours preceding this. Sometimes, you know, if you work from home, this is a common issue because it's that lack of structure. If we don't put that into our lives, right? And then it's a boundaries issue. It's your own boundaries that you're stomping on, and you're not listening. We're not even cued in to our own body that was saying into this hey, you were getting warning buzzers before the fog come in but we're pushing and we're not tapped into our body. so it's really practicing listening to what our body's saying and not giving in to everything because there are times when my body's saying I don't want to get up and go for that walk early in the morning it's cold I want to stay yeah. in bed. I don't have to listen to that. You know what I'm saying? It's knowing what you need to listen to. So a resolution for that is when I have these kind of projects, it's really making sure that I'm breaking it up in palatable pieces so that I'm doing it and giving myself the proper time that I need to do it. There are going to be times where you've got to be up against the wall and pushing hard, but it's not sustainable. So if you're finding you're doing that for everything, what is your own expectation that you're putting on yourself? Is it realistic? Is it realistic that I'm going to get this done? Nine out of 10 times, we'll look at it and say, no, I can break this into two days and then schedule it on your calendar and make sure that you're owning your time. And that's a big thing that I work with with entrepreneurs is really looking at the blocks of time that they have and what are they doing in that time? So that's how I would come at that situation is really, is it realistic? And then how can I break this up and
0: honor my own boundaries? Right. Cause I mean, really at the end of the day, it becomes manic manifesting. I mean, when we're feeling like we just have to pedal as hard as we possibly can nonstop in order to succeed, it's actually the opposite. And in the last episode, my very first episode on this, I did is I said, you know, like building a six figure business is easier than you think. I don't say that to say it lightly. Like it's just no, do do. Yeah. Just, f-. it's, <laughs> You got to put effort in, but honestly to six figures, it was more mindset work for me than anything yeah. that I mean, I never spent an ad on advertising at that point now to scale a little bit more, I'll probably have to, but it it was mindset work. It was believing that everything was flowing and be at peace with it and not feel like I need to like, you you know, stay up till two in the morning, not eat dinner with my family, come down here and finish paperwork that I should have done three months ago at this given moment. Yeah some of the things are not important enough to lose your whole entire inspiration. And, um, like I said, it becomes manic manifesting. If anybody's aware of manifestation, I, whether or not you want to believe it on like a spiritual level, we are, if we always are negative and putting out negative vibes in our business, that's, what's going to come back to us. And, and so, yeah, I love that you said like schedule this time, like find out what's important to you and make it a priority um, you know, clocking out at five. For me, it was clocking out at 345 every day so I could pick up my son and get home. And when I got home, I'm not working anymore. I'm going outside. I'm watching him play. Um, taking weekends off. All of that. So great. I love it. Lack of clarity. It was your number two. So they're super clear in what you want, both personally and on business. So what is kind of your guide process to people that don't know? Cause this, I think this is huge. I think a big thing. It was for me anyway, when i was starting business, I knew I wanted to make a lot of money. I just didn't know how I was going to do that. And trying to find the business plan that I felt confident with. Now I look back and I bet you could agree with me. You could turn any business into a six figure business. Somebody I saw in Shark Tank sells potatoes, literal potatoes with faces on them in the mail. And they're like millionaires. So if you can make a million dollar business off of that, I'm pretty sure anything for the most part will turn profits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just about how clear you are on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's kind of your guide structure. And I really definitely want to focus on the clarity in finding your business and finding what you're doing and your sales path or your, your business's path.
1: Mm -hmm. Again, we, this could be a whole episode in itself, so I don't want to short change it, but I think that it's truly important to decide how you want to feel and what it looks like in relation to your life. You know, for me, I don't know at the early on years um, that I would have made the choices that I made later in my life as my kids were older. So again, how do I want to feel? is most important. And then looking at the business model and what is it that you're bringing to the table? What are you trying to bring out to the masses? Is there a need for this? You know, Looking at all of these pieces and and being very clear on who you wanna serve, how you wanna serve them, what is it that you're bringing to the table? What's your magic that is out there that can help and be value in the market? I think that those are all critical to nail down. In addition to, do you love who you're serving? You're going to be working with them. This is a huge piece. because oh, yes. there, there were times where I was, you know, I was in business and I didn't necessarily love and there, that was a misalignment and my physical body was telling me no more, like stop. And again, kept pushing, kept pushing, held on too long, trying to make things work. And my body was telling me no more, no, thank you. Let's be done. So I had to listen to that. And again, it brought me right back to tapping into how do I want to feel, you know? So I think putting all of that together and really putting some work into exploring and becoming clear on what it is that you want and need from it. And then what is it that you're bringing to the market? Are you connected to it? Do you love who you're serving, what you're doing in order to serve? Because again, you can do anything for a short period of time, but what we're looking at is, can it be sustainable? Will you enjoy your life because of this work, because you're connected to it and doing it? I think that that's key.
0: That is key. You have to be happy with what you're doing. What, what good is it to make a ton of money and hate who you're working with or hate what you wake up to do every single morning? I fully agree. Like what lights you up? I mean, some people don't know this yet and it might, your business might tell you, you know, as you evolve and as you go down and as you get different opportunities and okay, now you're working with, uh, you know, authors and now you're working, you know, you're, you're attracting as maybe as a VA you're attracting so many different clients and from diverse backgrounds and diverse industries, and you kind of start to learn your niche. And I think the more you can niche down, the better in in what you want, because that gets more and more clear, more and more clarity. Uh, You know, even in my business, I thought about pivoting and taking it from just legal staffing industry, like the legal work with the law firms to all businesses. And it, it overwhelmed me. And I was like, I don't even think I could talk to a realtor. I don't think I could talk. My dad's a realtor. I mean, it's not that I don't like them. It just, I don't think I could have that natural flowing understanding. I see you, I feel you on a personal level because I've supported my whole career has been supporting attorneys. That's where I shine, you know? And that's what lights me up is to see them breathe and feel good. Um, So I, I fully agree with you. I think that's beautifully put is to to what lights you up what makes you feel good about the work you're doing and to really you know meditate on that (laughs) think Mm -hmm. about it you know think about your background is it in the animal industry you know do you have a green thumb? Do you want to work with gardeners? Like, what is it that you love that you can talk about without a script in front of you? And that, that was the legal industry for me. So, and obviously, you know, 25 years for you as an entrepreneur, it's got to come out naturally for you (laughs) from experience. Um, So that's really wonderful. Okay. So number three, lack of systems, processes, remain consistent. Totally. I have all these ideas in my business where I'm like, oh, I'm going to improve my CRM. I'm going to improve my onboarding processes. I have no systems like I do in my mind, but my poor staffing specialists and executive assistants cannot, they don't know, they can't get in my mind and implement them for me. (laughs) So what types of systems do you, uh, promote? Do you suggest to your clients? Like what are the ones to really focus in on, especially when you're growing this business and and trying to scale it?
1: Yep. It's so funny that you're saying that because I think we all do that. And in our heads, especially when we can do it ourselves, that's where we get into the mentality of it's just easier if I just do it myself. And then we start doing the thing, and we have this person that we're spending a lot of money on, and we're like, and they're standing there, like, I want to help, right? And we're just like, yeah, yeah. And then we do the thing. So it's the air we breathe. So sometimes it's really difficult to think of what is the step by step process of how I'm doing it. For me, for whatever reason, this is one of the gifts that I bring to the world is I can look at something, move the pieces very quickly and say, this is what we need to do. Boom, 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 and step it right out. That's fun for me. That's how I play. So again, that's what I love about that part of my business. So I, what I do is break each area into sections. And then I go, what is the step by step? Even the simplest. And I've actually even printed, I don't even, I don't think I have it right here, my own process for onboarding someone because I would forget things in between. And then as more and more clients were coming on, I'm like, oh, did I send her this? Did I send? No more of that. It's a checklist. Boom, Write down the checklist. It goes in the jacket folder with, you know, with the file. And I I can look and say, I did all of these things right down to, did I pay the taxes on that client? (laughs) Because that was a piece I was forgetting, right? So, you know, go right through. So create those steps. That's how you create your processes. And it's amazing to see in your business, once you have all of that, the efficiency that you have, but also your mind is not cluttered with those 2 a.m. thoughts of, did I send her that contract? Did I do, you know, no, it's all there. (laughs) And it's nice. I'm a pen to paper person. There are many people that will, you know, their gift in the world is doing this all online with spreadsheets and all that magical things that I'm good at other things. (laughs) I admit that. So, if you know, doing it online is your way to do it, then find a way to do it that way. But for me, breaking them into each category, into sections, and then looking at what is the process that we have start to finish? What do we do this, 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 and this? And you're like, Oh, it feels good to see it all listed out too.
0: Yeah. And and for anybody <laughs> listening that says, Oh, pen to paper is so old school. I, people say that because they're like, well, you can't bring other people in. You have it recorded. It's as simple as sending that to an assistant and saying, here's my checklist. You go ahead. If you want to put that in a Trello system, but you make sure you're checking off my list, you know, so it, it doesn't have to necessarily be in the cloud or be online in order to bring somebody else into that process. The only place you cannot bring somebody into a process is in your mind. I totally agree. So if you get it out on paper, get it out in the in Trello, get it out in Asana, wherever you're using, whatever you're using. My attorney clients do that, are notorious for that. They hold all the information in their minds and then wonder why they're, you know, drinking themselves to sleep every night to try to fall asleep because they do, oh, did did they do this? Did they do this? Did they do this? So what I do in my consulting sometimes with my clients, and I actually do this free of charge because it brings me joy and it helps my clients utilize my paralegals more because we're pulling out tasks here. Now you're going to delegate those out it's just brain dump on me. You got to get that stuff out. You cannot hold all the things. And I feel the same way if I'm getting, um, a little bit overloaded in my brain. Did I do that? I I start writing lists, like just, I got to get it out somewhere and start checking it off. So love, love, love it. And I like how you said, breaking it into chunks, you know, chunks. There's an the onboarding phase. There's the admin side of things. There's a the tax phase. There's the, all the phases. <laughs> so I'm assuming this yeah. is something you help your clients with in their own businesses is to, to get these processes in place. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think we touched enough on sales and marketing about falling in love with the problem you solve, Um, but going to the lack of tracking and creating metrics, what types of metrics should people really be watching in their business, even from the start, even when there's $5 of revenue coming in?
1: Um, The number of leads or connections that they're making in order to have the sales conversations or the calls or the connections. How can I help you this sort of thing? And then closing of the sale. Um, Those are three right off the top that Again, I wasn't paying attention to that. I'm like, oh, I got to work on my website. That's what I need to do. And it was a beautiful way for me to hide. <laughs> you know, it's like what is the income generating action that I have? It is certainly not, you know, struggling with. Oh, I have an, I don't have my website up. And that was one thing I personally. Was struggling with. You know, I did step into public speaking for a little while. So it was something that I did need. It was justified, but at the same time, it was a nice hiding spot in a project that got extended way longer than it needed to be because I was hiding or procrastinating in that. So, you know, looking at your leads, how, who is your ideal target market and how are you connecting with them? That's something to track. You know, from the marketing side of things, you know, how are you connecting with? people online, you know, what kind of, what are you putting out on your social media to attract them, to let them know that you are their solution to the problem that they have. Again, tracking in that space. If you put one post up a month and you haven't connected with anybody and you're wondering why you don't have any sales, there it is. You can see, okay, I need to bring this up. At the same time, if you look at the types of posts that you're putting out and you start to track those types of posts, And to see what types of engagement really your audience likes, do more of that. It tells you do more of that or don't do that. Nobody even interacted with that. They don't care about that. They're more interested in this. So when you come into it with a curiosity mindset, as opposed to I did this, I worked so hard and I got nothing and it feels awful when you've constructed this beautiful piece of content and it's crickets and you're like the hell? Yeah, <laughs> what, what is going on? Like, yeah. you know, is it me? And then we go in and we start going over the last 10 years of how awful we were in this life, right? And <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so again, when we start to track and we have some metrics, we can actually have fun with it and really engage and say, okay, this is how they like to receive information. Cool, do more of that. So yeah. there's tracking on that side from the business, tracking on your own side in your personal life, Um, for myself, I noticed that every year I would come up through, through my birthday. It's now about to turn my birthday. And I'm like, wow, I lived another year of my life. And I would look back and I could only remember all the things that went wrong. Ah. all the Calamity that I had gone through. I'm like, man, this was such a hard year. And then we'd list all the, the drama, right? So I started thinking about what about all the things that went right? And because I'm so busy, I can't remember anything past a half hour ago, like literally sometimes. (laughs) So it really was tracking my success. What am I celebrating in my life? The other part was as my kids got older, I have two boys and the girl, you know, there would be times where I'd fall asleep and I would be upset because I got in a fight with so-and-so and I never went back to fix that or those tiny wins that are in our life. So tracking every single day, what did you win at? what was great? And I created a journal so that when I look back, I have evidence of what was really great in my life, the small things that were great. And in that finding that on the days that were really hard and miserable, you know what good is still here. I have evidence of my life well-lived. And I think that that's an important tracking metric that most ignore. And if we, even if we did that in our businesses on those days where we're feeling like, why am I even doing this again? Because we all have that. <laughs> yep. We can look back and see our wins, you know, connecting with your clients and gathering testimonials and looking at those wins, those are things you want to track as well for the hard days they're gonna right. get you through.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that I actually just listened to a podcast, Millionaire Mamas in the Making, I think, or Millionaire Mamas. Um, Ooh. and and she had a episode on evaluating goals or evaluating your business. And one of them was to list out 10 things that went really, really right this year and 10 things that went really, really wrong. And she said, we have to know both ends of it. You can't just focus on what didn't work. You can't just focus on what did work if we're gonna really actually make a decision on you know, what are our efforts. I have to back up for a minute. I spent like three hours creating a promotional video that I thought was just beautiful and was gonna blow up like two likes. I got like two oh, likes man. on it. And I, you know, and I look back on all these videos I spent time making. My clients or my ideal clients apparently don't have time to watch videos, which makes sense. I'm trying to staff them to give them more time. So, you know, I'm I'm learning those things. You know, they 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 don't necessarily have that time and to watch those videos or they don't catch their eye. So it is, it is, it's the hardest part I think about in business is cause you don't start for the sole reason of imposter syndrome or feeling embarrassed when, you know, and we feel like we'll only be okay when we start posting things and everybody in our life can see, Oh, she got a thousand likes on that. Oh, she's got 4,000 likes on her Facebook page. I actually just posted yesterday showing how many followers I have on social media. I think like 270 on my Instagram and 320 on my Facebook, you know, I have like 2000, some connections on LinkedIn, but I don't have a huge following and I generated $300,000 last year in revenue. So, you know, it's not about, I love that you say that. And, and, and I, that's something I don't do. I don't track and, and measure my metrics on my posts and my marketing efforts to see what are people actually responding to? Because if we're posting things that we think are cool and nobody's responding to them, we're wasting our time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's so, so crucial. And, you know, I also love the thought of like listing those things that went really, really well, because you want to keep doing those things. And that's personally and, and professionally, you know, was something that went really, really well in my, in my marriage this month, as we made time to, to go on two dates, you know, I want to keep doing that, you know, and like, that's making us fight less or or have less friction or, you know, things with our kids, we started implementing this and this worked really well. Same thing with business. What's working, write it down and replicate it quarter after quarter after quarter. And then write down, for instance, you know, I, I run a paralegal course of things to teach others how to launch a freelance paralegal business. And I undercharge the hell out of myself. Every single time I started at fifty, I tried to increase it, which made it good. And then now I'm at like a thirty-five dollar a month subscription, and I need to write down. That's not appropriate. <laughs> that's not you know that's not moving the needle down the field. So I'm spending so much money on and time on stuff like that. That's not really actually changing or moving me down the field. So I I, I that is huge tracking your metrics and from day one, even when you have one client. What's what went well with that client track it? How did they find you track it? It took me six months or a year to actually put the, how did you hear about us question (laughs) on my scheduler? And I'm like, that's given me so much insight as to where my, my clients are coming from, you know, because I need to keep doing that. (laughs) So you're bringing up a great point, but I also want to add, you know, in
1: In the marketing mentors world, we say, if anything is worth doing, it's worth doing it imperfectly first. And you're out there trying and doing the things. And there's so many people that are not willing to try the thing to get the feedback from that fear of judgment or what others will say or whatever that fear may be, because there's all of that, right? So you're out here trying the thing, you put the video out, you went through the process, What the win was, though, is that I'm sure that you're a little bit more clear on certain things and the feedback that you got was not this way. I need to give them the information this way. Awesome. It's a win-win. But when we first put it up there and we've got that measuring bar of whether it's likes or not, it's not a popularity contest. It's not about that. It's really about being brave enough to get out there and do what you need to do with that entrepreneurial mindset of I'm going to do what it takes. You're doing the work, and you did it. So I just had to congratulate you on that. I didn't want you to miss that. No, <laughs> Do not
0: miss that. Thank you. That's awesome. no. So you're right. And that that's exactly exactly what it is. This is not a popularity contest. It's 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 right because that's something I learned in my business is that you know social media and my type of legal staffing business social media helps to make those connections and stay familiar on on the market. But where my clientele likes to ingest information is in the places that they have reserved time to do so. Podcasts, um, you know, they're driving in the car. They've reserved that time to listen. Webinars, conferences, summits, um, you know, anything of that nature, they're reserving their time to go ingest that information. They're not sitting scrolling on social media all day long. Awesome. They have a lot of things going on. So, it, it, and, that, and that's not everybody, you know? Um, it just depends on your market. And the only way you find that out, don't Google it to, to death, try and, and, and get, get some of that feedback. So Carol, this has been absolutely amazing. I've just loved it. Um, but before we go, what is one, you know, everything we've talked about today, which has been a lot of great stuff. What is one piece of advice you would like, or one thing you would like the listeners today to take away from you?
1: Hmm. I think that connection, connection is um, key connection in your life, first and foremost, and connection to what's most important to you, and then build everything else around it. Um, Don't forget that there's a you in there first. And then all those relationships, we have this one life to live. And we're not meant to just survive it or barely survive in the areas that mean the most to us none of us are going to look back at the end of our lives and worry about what we did or didn't do well maybe some will (laughs) in their business right but it's about you and those relationships that matter the most and then build your life your business around that um, in a way that feels good to
0: you oh that's beautiful i love that well thank you so much carol um And for anybody that wants to connect with Carol, see what she's doing, maybe work with her, I'll link up all her information in the show notes so you can easily go find her and be sure to check in next Friday for another episode until then have wonderful days ahead of you.